G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Hey, one of the unforeseen outcomes of the global COVID-19 pandemic has been the unbridled uptake of online streaming events. And what we once thought of as either local or national has grown to be global in nature as Christian ministries like others, of course, but Christian ministries looking to reach out a wider audience all over the world. Now, one of those events of special note is being hosted by modern hymn writers Keith and Kristen Getty, who are getting ready for the first ever worship event over six continents. The Sing Global 2020 conference follows on the back of the success of their online hymn sing, which has had over a million views from more than a hundred countries around the world. Now, you may not know that Keith Getty is the only living hymn writer to have been given an OBE by Her Majesty the Queen for musical and hymn writing contribution. And as ambassadors of hymn writing, Keith and Kristen have performed for presidents and prime ministers and they've had sellout concerts each year at the iconic venues like the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. and Carnegie Hall in New York. Well, our absolute privilege once again to have Keith Getty back on the line with us from Nashville in the U.S. Keith, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. The the honour is mine. It's always a privilege to be on your show. And we've got you, Keith, at an early part of the evening, and no doubt uh, you've got your children who are aged 9, 7, 5 and 2, and that's a handful when they're at that age, but no doubt it's bedtime and uh, things pretty busy about your place right now. Yeah, we just want to switch over. My wife and I finished listening to mixes for the new album, the Evensong album tonight, and we got home, and... uh, so we did dinner together with the girls, and then we had a Disney dance party upstairs. So they've been they've been dancing along to all their favorite songs, and now I've just done. A, I, I, my final act was to get them all um, one and a half scoops of ice cream each, and now I've handed them over to their mom. So at seven thirty in Nashville, they've been handed over to their mom. And I have the privilege of getting to talk to Neil Johnson and our many friends in Australia. <laughs> well, I know what you're meant to... Mer- 30% of Americans. 30% of Americans in a recent survey said they were bored. As I said to you earlier, Neil, we are not another 30% right now. <laughs> not when you've got four little girls, and they're all girls, and uh, yeah. I can identify with you very well because uh, my girls were similar ages, uh, and uh, they're grown up now, so we're a little bit ahead of you, but uh, I know that there'd be a right. regular bedtime routine and uh, the ice cream and the sorts of routines that you go through to get everyone settled are amazing. Hey, let's talk about the Sing Global 2020. And Keith, you know, it takes a a fair bit of faith, I imagine, to go from what was already big for you with your Sing conferences to say, hey, why don't we promote this globally? Uh, So this is an exciting time for you, obviously. 
Yeah, no, it's it's um, it's it's slightly taking our breath away. The whole thing. It's um, we obviously the same conference began as you know in 2017. It was it was our kind of response to I guess the 500 years of the Reformation was to remember have to remember that congregational singing was always part of the history of the church, but but got lost for a period of time. Um, but but Martin Luther brought it back, and I wanted to get people excited about why we sing the Bible, why singing, why music, and why the Bible is so important. And we started this conference, and it. It really took off and had a life of its own, certainly much greater than my wife and I. We just had the privilege of hosting it. And uh, so this year we were expecting 11,000 people to come to Nashville and then 5,000 concert attendees in the more festival part of the event in Nashville. And, of course, with COVID, the whole thing was 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 cancelled. And uh, so we've had to go online. And as I said at the start, we weren't sure what to do. But when we went for Sing Global, the response has just been just been extraordinary. And so... So we're the, we've, we've transferred the people who are going to come to Sing, Sing 2020. Then we've added many new registrations from Sing Global. And, uh, and then we're also inviting people to create host parties in their homes or in their churches or in their parachurch ministries or in their barns. And let's bring the world together and join voices for this conference. We're recording the songs at the Grand Ole Opry in two weeks' time. And then the music will all go online at the beginning of August, and everyone can go into Dropbox. Everybody who registers can go and add their voices to it and be part of this global song. And it's an amazing lineup of speakers. It's John Lennox, it's John Piper, it's David Platt, it's uh, Alistair Begg, and uh, m- many of the best known speakers uh, in the world joining us, um, as well as seminars from the likes of, the likes of Tim Keller. Um, and Oz Guinness and many of these other people, but teaching on teaching on singing the scriptures. So it's an emphasis on singing, an emphasis on the scriptures, and an emphasis on music and the arts with with beautiful music concerts as well. Um, but everybody, if you sign up for it, wherever you are in the world, you enjoy the four day conference. But it's called an immersive conference, which means you get everything for three months. So you'll have access to over a hundred talks, seminars, interviews, lectures. Uh, 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 worship worship sessions uh, behind the artist sessions from a range of people from the six continents of the world. In fact, we, we even have we even have City of Light from Sydney, Australia, joining us as well. Okay, hey, uh, this is it's a, a, a an absolutely unlimited potential audience when you go online for a conference like this. And as you say, you've got a hundred speakers lined up. You've just named a whole lot of names that so many listeners will be familiar with. But when it comes to singing the scriptures, now, as a focus for a conference, that's a really interesting one. And you mentioned right back to Reformation days, Martin Luther, uh, the idea of bringing about the popularity of him singing, of singing the scriptures. Uh, There's a tremendous 500-year tradition here that is being upheld in your conference. That's right. I mean, Luther, Luther talked about the preaching and the singing of the word. And sadly, in our generation, many people don't preach the word or sing the word. But even those who do preach the word oftentimes aren't really thinking about what they're singing. And so it's really important if you're a preacher or a pastor or an elder or a worship leader. And it's really important if you're a mom or a dad as well to make sure the songs that you're filling your homes with and your churches with and the people that you say you love with are filling songs that are that are that are, that are rich in scripture and 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 the beauty of the Lord um, because everyone has a song uh, and we, and uh, and in the generation that we live what we sing is extraordinarily important so it's a really it's a call to action to each of us as individuals to each of us in our families and to each of us in our churches to do that. 
Uh, let's divert a little bit here, Keith. Uh, as you're starting to talk about those sorts of issues, uh, I'm just thinking if you were contrasting praise and worship or hymn singing with, uh, say, country music, and country music, and you're in Nashville, uh, where country music is renowned to be oftentimes uh, really uh, emphatic about some of those things that go wrong in your life. You know, my wife's just left me and my dog's just died. Uh, you know, those sorts of things that country music often is uh, reflective of. But when you start to talk about praise and worship, if you contrast that with maybe typical country songs, maybe any other musical genre as well, when you're reflecting on the beauty and the riches of God, there's something different that comes forth in the music. What are your thoughts on your contrasting the way we might uh, be a, a praising and worshipping people co- contrasted to other sorts of music? Well, in, in one sense, we're all created in God's image. Every human being is created in God's image. And God has made us all to sing. Every culture in the world, whether you're Australian or Irish, or another nation that isn't descended from, you know, convicts, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter. You know, that's <laughs> okay. one thing the Irish, so one thing the Irish and the Australians have in common. That's right. But, you know, <laughs> so, so wherever you're from in the world, you know, um, Asia, Africa, South America, uh, Europe, North America, Australia, wh- wherever you're from, you know, we all, we all are created to sing. And that's why 20% of the Bible is song. And that's where I think, that's where I think many of us are going wrong and that we're not really caring about what's being sung in our churches. We're really not caring about the songs our daughters sing. You know, we, we try to teach our daughters a hymn every month because we know they love Disney songs, and we, we, we do the songs with them so that every so often there's a chance to talk about what does this song mean? Is this really true? Because, because they are, these messages they are singing affect their minds. They affect their emotions. They affect their memory banks. They affect their affections. They affect their actions, they affect their reactions. And so, and so, you know, I, I think, I think as Christians, we all want, we all want, you know, our children and we all want those in our church to grow up singing the deep riches of the Lord and singing those to both their minds so they remember them and to their hearts so that they, so that they temper and inflame their emotions in all the right ways. Hey Keith, I don't know what it's like in Nashville uh, because you've had your own issues with coronavirus there and churches have been locked down, uh, doors have been closed, people have not been able to meet, uh, people have been streaming their local church into their lounge room on a Sunday and the praise and worship element uh, doesn't always come across so wonderfully when you are watching a streamed event in your local church uh, so when you have uh, people who are skilled musicians, and um, just uh, you know, pat on the back for you and Kristen because uh, wonderfully skilled musicians, uh, the idea of people getting detached from a praise and worship experience because they're not live standing there in their local church, that actually seems to me to really uh, uh, consolidate the idea of the importance of how important it is to make sure you remain connected to uh, singing praise and worship to God. What are your thoughts for what might have been happening in people's homes as they've been locked out of church? Yeah, well, I, you know, it's interesting when we go back to our Christian heritage. So we go back, let, let's go back to Christ. So Christ in his, in his life would have, would have read or sung six psalms every day. 
So that tells us a number of things for a start. It tells us that the songs of the Bible are not just for Sundays. So I think what every pastor and every parent and every worship leader needs to be considering is the people who are under my care, whether it's a congregation or a family, I need to care about what they're singing seven days a week, not just on a Sunday. So, And I think this is a chance that coronavirus gives all of us. I think the chance that it is in many ways, and I, and, I, and, I, and I have known, I have had people play in my groups who today are dead because of coronavirus. So I have known the pain of coronavirus as much as, much as many, not as much as all, but as much as, as much as many. But what it does give us is this sabbatical of life to reorder our daily lives in our homes. And uh, because, because, you know, the fact of the matter is singing a Sunday should just be a, a, a finale or kind of an explosion of what is happening all week. So un, until I hear Christian leaders actually caring about what's being sung in their home, I, I don't really care to. I don't really care to, to to get involved in too many conversations about whether you should or shouldn't, you know, break the law by singing in church, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. so I think I think that's the opportunity that we have. You know, we, you know, my grandparents you know, all had hymn books by their bed, even ones who weren't in, you know, liturgical background churches. But, you know, that was part of life. You know, I, I, a lovely evening often finished around the piano singing a hymn. And there's a problem. That's not the case for my generation. Do you know what I mean? So the Lord has given us a wonderful opportunity again to fill our home with songs of praise that a generation yet unborn. But this morning I read the psalm, yet, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You know, from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained prayers. Well, if that's the case, why are so few of us spending so little time, you know, caring about what our children are singing? You know, we, we sure care if the music is a good performance on a Sunday. But, you know, the music in our homes is, is far from honoring to the Lord. And that includes the music that's on the movies and television shows that they're watching. Wow. Well, praise and worship is a serious issue. And uh, I want to invite listeners to join in our conversation today. You'll be able to do that online. I've got a post on our Facebook page today, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. The question that you can respond to there is, how important is singing praise and worship in maintaining close relationship with God? You can respond there. The two options are high or low. Keith Getty is our guest. Let's take a brief interlude and have a listen in to Keith and Kristen with their most famous hymn and one that you may well have sung yourself in church. It's In Christ Alone. I'm back with Keith Getty in just a few moments. Christ, I 
opportunity to highlight one of the best known hymns ever and to have on the line with us our absolute privilege Keith Getty who wrote In Christ Alone and Keith no doubt you talk a lot about In Christ Alone when you do interviews people are always no doubt asking you about the inspiration for a song like that but we've been talking about singing scripture 
of making sure that God is right at the center and Christ is reflected beautifully. When you were actually writing that hymn, I would suspect that you must have had some time reflecting on that story as you go through the crucifixion and the resurrection. Uh, What is it going through your heart when you get to put pen to paper and you're sitting at your piano and you begin to write lyrics and you begin to write the music for a hymn like that? Uh, I give a lot of the credit to Stuart Tynan, obviously, because he is my writing partner, and, and, and pretty much every great lyrical line in our songs is Stuart Tynan's. We, we, what we, what we did with that song and with everything was a vision to write songs that helped our generation articulate their faith, say and sing what they believe to their hearts for the rest of their lives. And you know, in the in the, in the providence of God, that was our first hymn, and it sort of built on that. And interestingly, when we talk about hymns and the sorts of songs we sing in church, whether they are modern praise and worship songs or whether they are more uh, hymns that you might sing in a more liturgical service, uh, there's time in history where those are even more important. And this may be a time like that because of coronavirus and the uh, havoc that it is wreaking around the world. Uh, The idea that we're reminded that, you know, life is short, that life is fragile. And so these sorts of hymns become even more important to us, Keith. That's that's right. <clears throat> and um, we sing them to ourselves. And, you know, even with Christmas, we're listening to the mixes of Christmas' new album, which releases at the conference. Well, one of the wonderful features of the conference is this amazing live concert that Christmas is doing with a bunch of artists called Evensong. And, uh, the, you know, the, the truly amazing thing about that is... You know, you know, even song was was goes back right to Jewish times. The principle of sanctifying the night, the principle of ending the day um, with the worship of the Lord, and to, 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 to sanctify the night because because Christians have known. In fact, even in the Jewish tradition, we knew that at night our worst thoughts happen. You know, our worst fears, our worst paranoia, our deepest anger, the issues of lust, of insecurity. Of, of of bad memories of the past, of fears of the future, all of these things tend to become most prominent at night time. And so <clears throat> so just the importance of singing hymns through the night, but also through our day. And since COVID happened, we've seen such a huge upturn in interest in, in, in hymns because there is more depth to them, but also because they, they, they speak about eternity. They they, the, the, the great hymns of the faith, because the Christian faith does, the great hymns of the faith uh, articulate our hope eternally, our hope in death. Over 75% of the great hymns talked about, talked about eternity, they talked about death, they talked about uh, judgment, they talked about heaven, they talked about hell, they talked about uh, a peace with the Lord one day. You know, less than 5% of worship songs talk about anything to do with that. And so there's a very different emphasis in the songs. And that is so important at this time, because for the first time, people are having to think and consider their own mortality a little more than usual. Keith, uh, let me just touch on the OBE that you were awarded. Uh, You were no doubt in London when you were awarded that and you got to meet the Queen. Uh, Take us through a little bit of an idea what happened getting an OBE. Well, I keep forgetting Australians are more interested in this than Americans. Um, <laughs> That's probably well, true. It yes. actually, it actually happened. It actually happened in Scotland because I found out. I, I got to know the guy who manages the OBEs after he got the award. First of all, it was really surprising because, as I said, certainly since modern church music happened in the last fifty years, it hasn't happened. But it was, 
it, it, it was a huge, pleasant surprise. And uh, But I got to chat to the guy who was in charge of it, managing it in London. And he says, if you go to Buckingham Palace, you're going to get Prince Charles or Prince Andrew or Prince William. And uh, if you go to Scotland, if you go to Balmoral in the summer, you'll get the Queen. And I thought, well, I'd love to go to Buckingham Palace, but I really want to meet the Queen. You know, that's a, that's a lifetime. So so I, I went I went and, and booked into Balmoral, and that, we got to meet the Queen, and that was just wonderful. Did the Queen say anything to you personally? Yeah, well, she talked to you for two minutes. She said, oh, how unusual to see somebody who writes hymns. Why do you write hymns? And, and it was really sweet, really, really lovely, lovely conversation. What a, just a, a wonderful lady. And, of course, uh, her own faith is very substantial, and there's been a number of books that have been written about Queen Elizabeth's faith. So, undoubtedly, she was particularly interested in the idea of a modern hymn writer. Yeah, no, she was quite delightful. I mean, really, really wonderful. And uh, I I can't say enough nice things about her, so... And uh, when you get an OBE, is it like a medal? Does she pin a medal on your chest? That's right. Yeah, that's right. And you learn, you get trained before you go in. You have to say, the answer to your first question is your majesty. And the answer to every question after that is man. So you just have to answer every question with the word man at the end. (laughs) Wonderful. Hey, let's get back to this conference, because there's something special and something different about the conference that's coming up. It's an immersive conference, and that's actually new terminology because you weren't actually able to describe exactly the immensity and the opportunity that a conference like this has, the Sing Global 2020. So it's uh, it's different, and you have to give it a new name. So what is an immersive conference? Well, that's right. we wanted to cre- it was several things. An immersive conference means it's a conference that happens across the world um, over four days in a schedule, but then it actually becomes a three-month opportunity. So if you if you buy a registration for the conference, you get to be part of a four-day conference, and you get to even sing, you even get to be part of singing with, with all the people. But then for the three months after, until the first of November, you actually get to have over a hundred sermons, talks, lectures, concerts, worship sessions behind the artists, discussions, and and guest guest appearances. You get to have all of those for three months so that you can you can have it on your phone or you can have it on your computer or just flash it up on your television. And at nighttime, you can come in and go, oh, I'm a little bit bored tonight. I want to listen to something that's Christian. I want to listen to some nice, nice, nice hymn singing or, or worship music or whatever. And you just flick it on and you can actually watch all the highlights, just all the different things and experience and learn and study. You can also do it as an, you can do it just casually or you can also follow a pattern as well so that you get through the whole conference. Okay. So it's really exciting. Uh, part of it was our frustration that conferences weren't changing people enough. And, uh, you know, there wasn't enough impact happening. But part of it was, so how do we cater to people during COVID? So we had to, you know, spend a lot of, invest a lot to create something that you, uh, actually can be a three-month experience rather than just three days. And it's an intentional thing when you are immersing into a conference that is about scripture and uh, being sung and being applied and uh, to every part of life. And I know you've got thoughts about how the gospel applies uh, to every dimension of our lives, whether it be our families, whether it's our local church, our broader community. What are your thoughts on the application of the gospel and just how important it is to apply that scripture through song into these parts? of our lives. No, it, it, it's, it's hugely important. And, uh, 
you know, I believe in the generation we live in and, and Ireland and America and England, the three countries I've lived in, are, are not particularly different to Australia. Um, but but the, the countries that I've grown up in is, you know, it's a, you know, it is for us and our children especially, it's going to become increasingly challenging to be a believer. And that's why I don't believe the answer is to be a, to be attractional or make Christianity more funny, or but actually to actually go deeper into our faith and, and to learn and to go deeper into the scriptures and to learn more about Christ and, 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 and have Christ transform us through his word. And so for all of those reasons, you know, we, we want people, we want people to really, and we want people to love this concept, but we want them to really get into it and study it. Um, secondly, we want it to be experienced as families. There's so much to try and help equip families in this conference. <clears throat> Thirdly, you know, we, we want to find ways of helping churches and resourcing churches. And fourthly, we want you to be aware of what is happening around the world. You know, you know, Christianity at this point in history is the fastest growing religion in the history of the world. You know, what is happening around the world is so exciting. And we need to be encouraging each other and aware of that. But we also want something that there are lots of places you can go and study Christianity, but we want somewhere where you can listen to beautiful music, where you can sing along with beautiful hymns or, 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 or listen to Christian artists talk about why they're right. We want it to be inspiring as well. You know, I have so many friends at the minute. I was with somebody yesterday. And, you know, the struggle that people are having with mental health and just keeping it together in this season. You know, we need to go deeper, but we also need beautiful music and art that soothes the soul too. Keith, I've been asking our listeners today to respond to a Facebook poll. I have a Facebook poll each day. It gives us some um, real-time uh, input from listeners all over Australia. Uh, just reflecting on a comment or two, Adam says, Praise and worship should be all week. Any place thing. Uh, church worship should be the cherry on the cake at the end of the week. We worship when we read his word daily, sing to him daily, cry out to him daily, then go to church and practice Correct. what we were doing all week long. Being filled with Christ's Superb. joy that passes all understanding is belting out a tune anywhere, anytime, anyhow. You don't have to put your uh, I'm sucking lemons church face on to be singing hymns. They're not designed for that. They're supposed to be a joyful experience. Experience, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Whoever wrote that, you need to have them on the show. That was outstanding. <laughs> well done, really Adam. And uh, well done, Adam. Thank you, Adam. It was really good. No, that, that's exactly right. And as you said earlier in the program, you know, I think this is a unique chance in history. For, someone said to me recently, as, as Mr. Hems and Congregational Singing, are you out of a job now? And I said, no. This is the most unique time in history to actually grow Congregational Singing. Because as Adam said, Sunday is the cherry on the top. You know, my wife always says Sunday, wor Sunday, sung worship on a Sunday is is like a beautiful meal that is prepared all week long, and comes out on a Sunday. You know, and uh, so, but the problem, the biggest problem in church worship is not is not a lack of emphasis on Sunday. There's almost a bizarre overemphasis on Sunday. The biggest problem is that there's there's absolutely nothing else happening the rest of the week, and so it just comes out of this kind of vacuum which seems contrived in a Sunday. Okay. Hey, let's get another comment or two. Carolyn says, it's spiritual warfare against the kingdom of darkness, smashing down strongholds in our church and area and city and in our own individual lives and brings healing into our lives. Praise and worship prepares our hearts for the word to be spoken and received and chases the negatives away. God created us to worship him. Uh, what are your thoughts for Carolyn? 
Yeah, no, God has created us to worship Him. That is exactly right. As being fully human. And uh, singing is a hugely important part. It's 20% of the scriptures. There's a reason for that. It's the most common command in scripture. I think the second most common command overall in scripture is to sing. But if you take all the derivative words like proclaim or extol or exalt or praise, you know, it actually becomes the most common command in all of scripture. So it's deeply important to God. It's not something just for highly emotional people or people who are highly musical. It's actually for all of us. So if you're a sports guy or a scientist or an accountant who really doesn't get that moved by music, get moved by music, you'd rather have Aussie rules or, or rugby union when you're winning um, or whatever it is, then, you know, then it's, uh, and that's, then, you know, it, it, it's no, especially for everyone. We've all been made this way and it is, it is such an important part of our lives. And I think Lord has given us this wonderful season, not just for singing, but also for prayer, for discipline, for time with our kids to really reorder our lives. I, Kristen and I have such a such a huge emphasis on family in our lives, and yet since we got since we got off in March, it's amazing how many how many uh, blind spots we've realised in our own parenting as well. Wow! Hey, let's uh, let me reflect on uh, one more of our listener comments here. Anna Maria says, very important. Of course, the question is, how important is singing praise and worship in maintaining close relationship with God? Well, Anna Maria says, very important as long as your praise and worship is only directed to God, not towards a singing artist and not for our enjoyment. My favorite worship song. So you've got a fan here in Christ alone. It's heartfelt love to the Lord and from the Lord. Scripture is living word of God. What are your thoughts for Anna? She said many good things. I would slightly disagree just in that we do sing to one another. The scriptures command us to sing to one another, encouraging one another. And so we, we should be singing to one another. And it actually is also for our enjoyment. I agree with Anna, it's not primarily for our enjoyment, but it should be enjoyable. It should be thrilling to do that. But I also really love the way she warns us that it really doesn't matter if it's if it's the Gettys or Matt Redman or City of Light or whoever it is singing at the conference. It's really not the issue. It's the singing to the Lord that is the issue. And so I'm, I'm glad she said that, and I hope that's helpful to some people today. Well, uh, on the back of those thoughts about singing to one another, Suze says, as a worship leader, I find that the greatest part of singing praise is the bond and unity we have together of all being able as one to lift up Jesus' name. I hate worship that is so loud that you can't hear the people singing, and I find it hard to introduce new songs that people find hard to embrace and own. Worship in praise should be a unity of heart, of our hearts that regularly worship Jesus with our lives first. Uh, What are your thoughts for Sue's? I agree with Sue. That is so helpful, Sue. Thank you for writing that. Um, because, you know, when someone says, what is, the, what is the music like in your church? Or someone says, what's the worship like in your church? Your answer, 100 times out of 100, should be the sound of God's people singing. Okay. That's, what, that's, what the, that's what the worship is. That's what it should sound like, the sound of God's people singing. In other words, whatever musical style or instruments or, or worship or, or not worship leader, I don't really care. You don't really have to have one. But whatever it is, that's just helping God's people sing. You know, so, and so similarly in the home, it doesn't matter if mom and dad, you know, aren't, aren't, aren't Elton John on the piano. You know, the, what, what, what matters is that we sing. So we can sing on a company. We can sing with a, a guitar or a piano. We can sing along the backing tracks or just sing along to the CDs. And that's wonderful too. 
Okay, let me reflect one more. Okay, one more. Glenn says, verbal praise is vital, affects to inner person and brings a joyful manner to our personality. Praising God reveals a relationship witness. Uh, blessings, very hard to be grumpy while rejoicing in the Lord. Now, that's an interesting uh, comment there about the way the mood changes. What are your thoughts for Glenn? I'm trying to just quite process it. I think I agree with a number of things Glenn said. I, I'm not sure I quite got what the central point was, but I, it, it is right. We, we, the things we delight in in life, we praise. So, you know, when someday one of my daughters is going to come home and talk about a boy a lot, because she delights and it's going to break my heart, frankly, because my, my girls are just perfect right now. But I will know, I will know when Eliza loves a boy because she won't be able to stop talking about him. And that's the same for all of us. If we talk about Liverpool Football Club, if we talk about our local Aussie rules team, if we talk about, if we talk about, about money, if we talk about our vacation, that's because that's the thing we care about. And so that's why it's so important to sing a lot of the Lord because it's a, it is. It it it, 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 it works. It, it works both ways. It, it reminds us. It should be our delight. But even if it isn't, it helps remind us that it is our delight. It helps us sing to ourselves and remind. My old pastor Oscar Begg used to say, "Sing to yourself." So what we what, what in life we love, we praise, whether it's verbally or whether it's with voices. But also, as he rightly said as well, it, it is it is a witness throughout history. People singing God's praise has been a witness to the outside. And we've got to remember when we go back to church, if you're back at church in your church in Australia at the minute, you know, when you sing, you're always a witness. The, the, old, the old verse in Scripture is not entirely linked but where two or three are gathered. That's, that's actually a phrase talking about bearing testimony. Where it's, it's a legal term. The Jewish people would have understood it as a legal term. In other words, we're bearing testimony to others outside of who God is. And so whether it's the little kids in the congregation watching on or whether it's or whether it's somebody who thinks they're a Christian but isn't, or whether it's somebody who's just on the outside looking in, how we sing betrays so much about where the delight in our life is. Okay. So that's an important thing to remember, isn't it? It is uh, where the delight of our hearts is, uh, is going to be reflected in the way that we sing. And we're talking about a whole new concept in conferences, Sing Global 2020, the first ever six-continent worship event. It is likely to be quite historic as the first ever style worship event that is as global as this one is being promoted. It's on August the 30th to September the 2nd. I'm going to give you all the details about how you could register and be a part of the Global Sing Conference that's coming up at the end of August in just a few moments. But I want to play another one of Keith and Kristen's songs. Uh, the one I've got lined up here, Keith, is Across the Lands. Uh, what's the story behind Across the Lands? Across the Lands was a hymn that we wrote um, way back in 2002, the year after In Christ Alone. Um, and it was written for two missionary organizations, WEC and Operation War Mobilization, who've got a book called Operation World. And so we used that book as a prayer book. And so we wrote this hymn for them then. And it's been sung by many people since. It's been sung by Britton Brown's return and lots of different artists who've recorded it over the years. And it's become a popular congregational song. Well, it's about, it, it's wonderful for this year's conference because it's all about, um, it's, it's all about God's love, cry of love ringing out across the land, a song for the world. Let's have a listen in. This is Keith and Kristen Getty across the lands.
and Getty across the lands on Vision Christian Radio. Keith Getty is our guest on the line. We've been talking about the upcoming Global Sing Conference. It's the Sing Global 2020, first ever six-continent worship event. It's Sing Global. It's on from August the 30th to September the 2nd. It's a four-day online conference, 40 breakout sessions, 100 speakers, and three months' worth of opportunity to take in everything that the conference will present. It's even got a new name to describe the sort of conference that it is. It's called an immersive 
conference. There's so much, so many dimensions, so many panels, uh, so many speakers, so many opportunities even to no doubt interact, uh, the opportunity to be a part of an immersive conference. Now, Keith, it is going to be an exciting time. No doubt there's a lot of work in uh, the preparation for such an event. Uh, You haven't had too much difficulty, have you, getting people to participate, 100 speakers. Uh, Some of these people you work with all the time, but just give us a little bit of an insight into who's on the the bill to speak uh, to some of those sessions. Sure, well, I'll give you a little rundown of a few of them. Kristen's uncle, Professor John Lennox. Um, Johnny Erickson Tata, of course, um, um, Sally Lloyd-Jones, Phil Vischer, who created VeggieTales, uh, John Piper, Tim Keller, um, David Platt, um, Oz Guinness, Trip Lee, um, um, Andrew Peterson, um, just Sandra McGregor, just lots and lots of different names of, 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 of musicians. We're just so, so excited about it. Well, I want to give listeners the way they can find out more about the conference, and there's a little bit of time between now and August the 30th. So today's conversation has been a little bit of a preview to what is coming for Sing Global 2020. Now, there's a couple of websites. The one I'll give has a longish name. It's Getty Music Worship Conference. That's the one that takes you straight to the conference website where you can see what's on. GettyMusicWorshipConference.com And, of course, uh, there'll no doubt be a link on the GettyMusic.com Uh, website too and for those who would love to be able to experience some more of the wonderful hymns of Keith and Kristen Getty uh, you can certainly simply go to YouTube and you'll find uh, some wonderful presentations of their absolutely amazing hymns so just Keith and Kristen Getty on YouTube Uh, and Keith before I let you go uh, we know you can't jump on a plane right now, but is there any sort of plan into the future sometime soon where you and Kristen and your four little girls might actually make your way down under? Well, we are planning to come, God willing, to Singapore and Australia in 2022. So um, hopefully that gives us time to get this COVID thing out of our systems. And that'll be May, May 2022 is what we're hoping for, God willing. And uh, that will be just an absolute thrill to do that. Uh, no doubt there'll be some listeners uh, jotting that down. Uh, 2022. Getty com or Getty Music. We want as many Australians, yeah. We want as many Australians coming to this conference as humanly possible. We are so excited that, as I said, half the songs are being recorded at the Grand Ole Opry in July so that everyone can then go online and sing along and join their voices to the global sound. Then the rest of it's live music at the conference. But we want, we want, we want, we want to say both to hear voices, but we want people to be part of all the global conversations that are happening to make this special. And Keith, it's about midway through your evening in Nashville in the US. I want to thank you so much for staying up a little later. Uh, It's not the normal working day to be able to talk to our listeners right across Australia. I appreciate you very much. Uh, Thank you so much for being a part of 2020 today. Sir, it's our honour. Thank you so much indeed. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.